Hey there, good people. Welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work, and dreams of our Northern Health family. My name's Steve, and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders past, present and future, embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you. We're visiting today with the medical lead of Northern Health's pandemic wards. With a background in sexual health and general medicine and a real passion for education and well-being, it's little wonder that connecting with patients and hearing their stories is what really makes her day. Dr. Vanita Rane, welcome to Visiting Hours. Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Northern Health and what it actually involves? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Some days I'm not sure that I know myself. Uh, my role's really evolved over time. So in some respects, it might be easier to do a bit of a chronology of um, how I came to be at Northern Health and where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. So I started in 2018 and that was because I had a role at the University of Melbourne, which was attached to the Northern Clinical School. So Northern Health has a affiliation with Melbourne University teaching our medical students. And I had trained at other centres across Melbourne, but because of that role I came across here. And actually, the culture at Northern Health in terms of at the hospital level is divine. And gradually over time, what I did was I kind of moved most of my work from other centres to be really based here. So in terms of my job title, as you've said in the introduction, I'm uh, the head of the, well, I call it I'm the head of the unit formerly known as the pandemic unit. Uh, we are now medical unit five, but it, but it did arise out of the pandemic. Um, and obviously what happened um, around 2020, because I was in an educational role, I was actually in a position to take on some of that work. Um, and that sort of just evolved organically into then becoming the head of unit. You know, as I said to you previously, never underestimate the power of a good list and being organised in terms of for people interested in leadership <laughs> positions. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't something that I necessarily sought. So it's kind of happened, it's taken me by surprise too. Mm, and what do you think one of the strengths of Northern Health was during the pandemic? I think as much as we would all love for the pandemic to be behind us and never to think about it again, there were lots of really important things that we learned. And I actually think it's really important that we capture that because we're already forgetting. Mm. Again, you know, I mentioned that I moved all my work across to the Northern because I love the culture. And one of the things that I loved, we've always had a pretty collaborative culture here. And I think that stems from the real community roots. If you go back to Panch, you know, um, that there's a real sense of community here mm. in, in the North. And I think... Um, that really then allowed us to have, we had daily collaborative meetings uh, between infectious diseases, respiratory, palliative care, the um, doctors on the floor, the internal medicine doctors. Um, we had clinical ethics come um, for some of our uh, trickier sessions as well. But these were daily meetings to talk about patients and it really, it helped the care for all of our patients. But all, also what it did was, again, in a time when there was lots of uncertainty, to have lots of people that were uncertain together was <laughs> sort of therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strength in numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so what about your journey itself? Like, when did you know that you wanted to be uh, involved in medicine, when medicine was for you? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I... I don't really remember. <laughs> um, 
I, I do know that my mum, you know, has the collection of, you know, school paraphernalia um, and she pulled out something recently which was from when I was in grade one. There was a little um, activity that and apparently in that I'd said that I wanted to be a doctor. I have no memory of that because... I would have said to you in primary school that I was going to be an author uh, and I had a real love and I still have a real love for classics and history mm. and um, and so I think so I've, I think I don't, and I, I sort of try and think when did that transition from what was very much a humanities arts based sort of approach morph across to medicine um, and I don't know that there's a pivot point, you know, like there's not like some shining yeah. moment that goes, that was it. But certainly um, my mum was a medical scientist and so I think, you know, I'd be um, sometimes, you know, at her work at times. Oh, okay. um, and so while she wasn't wasn't a doctor, wasn't involved in um, clinical care in that way, she was involved in, in anatomical pathology. And so I think I had a sense that... Um, healthcare was something that I was interested in and I think that sense of wanting to help others. Sure. But, yeah, but in, as to when when that morphed into a I want to be a doctor, I don't really know. Apart from, apart, although apparently if you ask my mother, it happened when I was six. So. Well, she's got the, she's got the <laughs> she's evidence. She's got the evidence, yeah. <laughs> You can't refute that. <laughs> um, so you mentioned there too that, no, 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 I know with the chats that we've had uh, previously as well, you know, your love of literature and, yeah. and um, the the classics and and Latin as well is is, is and I know <laughs> a lot of your teachers were were expecting you to go in a particular path and it, it confounded them when they found out you perhaps weren't going to pursue yeah uh, yep. pursue that. But do you think like Latin is a gateway language to medicine? Yeah, yeah. So I um yeah I distinctly remember I was asked back to my school to talk about a career in the sciences um, as a first year medical student and my year twelve Latin teacher pulled me aside and said we talk about you in the staff room. What happened? We had you pegged as a classical scholar. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, she said, you know, you, you did ancient history, you did you did Latin. And, and I said, yeah, but I also did physics, chemistry and biology. <laughs> um, so I, I think I've just, I'm just curious about the world. <laughs> and I, um, but in terms of Latin, look, it was helpful for first year, <laughs> like anatomy, yeah, um, sure. you know, certainly managed to scrape through some anatomy vivas by using my, you know, Dr. Halicis Longness, you know, um, but um, beyond that, I, I don't know that it's been. <laughs> Not particularly helpful, but obviously having that wide net, you know, that thirst for knowledge and that curiosity is is something when you've got it in your arsenal there, it can help you on a day-to-day -day kind of basis. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think something that we've talked about before is the power of story and storytelling. And so for me, one of the things that I absolutely love, and I think the the thing that interests me the most is actually people's stories and that curiosity about people. And one of the things about medicine is that it gives you access to a whole lot of people that you would never otherwise meet, do you know? Um, we all tend to have social networks that are actually pretty small in terms of people, you know, you tend to congregate with people who have similar backgrounds to you or earn similar amounts of money or, um, you know, live in, this, in similar areas. Whereas actually when you're doing anything that where you interact with the general public, gives you access to hearing about stories that you would never hear otherwise. Mm. Something that we haven't talked about in terms of my background is I'm also a sexual health physician and so obviously um, you get lots of very interesting stories in that job and I think I have may have mentioned this to you before but I, I get asked by patients in a sexual health context not infrequently um, 
do you like your job? And it's always when I'm, like, examining their genitals, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so there's no good way at that moment to answer that question (laughs) because if you say yes, you're some sort of pervert, right? Um, And if you say no, that's really... (laughs) really What's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, um, but the thing that I love about that job is actually the stories um, and really learning about people's lives. And I think that that's where perhaps that love of literature and storytelling um, has sort of defined my career. But it also, it's it's an interest in my staff. It's an interest in all the people that I work with. Um, and again, it was a, a, a real reason, if we go back to that, um, the pandemic unit, part of the reason that I really wanted to do those Wednesday wind down sessions was, again, was just to allow people to tell their stories. Mm. And there's a real power in that. It's an opportunity too, I guess, for you to share your experiences with those junior doctors as well and and help them navigate uh, an ever-changing landscape, I guess. Oh, look, I think it's something that we're all really invested in. I think, well, many of us are. Uh, I think we all recognise that the job can be really challenging and and COVID made that even more apparent. There's a a group on um, Facebook that I help moderate, which was really set up by a couple of friends of mine who were aware that women doctors in particular um, didn't necessarily have access to some of the networks that had, you know, existed previously, but also mm. that there's a real need for better financial literacy um, amongst doctors. We were not trained to run businesses or, you know, but actually many of us who work in private practice, I don't work in private practice, but, you know, actually end up running small businesses. Mm. Um with basically no skills. And so there was a real sense of how do we make things better? And okay. what what came out of the Facebook group actually was just it's allowed a real platform. It's now got 12,000 members across Australia and New Zealand. And what it's allowed is this platform for um, people to ask questions that they wouldn't necessarily have thought that they could ask or maybe that they can't ask. It's funny how sometimes the big crowd makes you sort of anonymous um, and people can you know, therefore ask, but also to get that experience of this is what I'm experiencing at my health service as a junior doctor. Is that okay? I do think there's a bit of a generational shift in terms of being better able to advocate for for the, for the things that they need. So as much as, you know, you asked about what are we doing to support the, the junior staff, I actually think we can learn a lot from the way that they're, many of them are advocating for themselves. We've been visiting today with Dr. Vanita Rane, Head of Medical Unit 5 at Northern Health. Stay with us to find out whose cuisine reigns supreme in her kitchen, her audiobook recommendations, and why a visit from her future self could be kind of awkward. So we've spoken a little about wellbeing at work and supporting each other through various networks and collaborations. What do you do outside of work to to wind down and and look after yourself? Yeah, I have two young kids. I've got a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And... So at the moment I have what I call aspirational hobbies in that they're th- or theoretical hobbies <laughs> um, because they're things that I, I do love and I do enjoy but just actually carving out the time and the space to do them is is not always easy. So I actually love to sew. Um, so I've made – well, so I made my daughter a few clothes. My son has really – you know, the younger child always misses out, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I have made him a couple of things too but – um, and he has a blanket that he's very attached to that I um, 
that I made him and I and he actually you've just reminded me that he's been asking me to make him something else and I haven't. Um, <laughs> he's been asking for over a year. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I absolutely love um, to sew. But the other, but one of the things that I've learned is because I did have particularly um, in the last couple of years where my work has increased at, at a level and a pace that I hadn't necessarily anticipated. Um, my boss here at the Northern has. Um, diagnosed me with um, having general enthusiasm for everything, um, which is kind of true. But uh, one of the things that it's um, it's made me recognise is that you just need to carve out like even little moments to yourself at times. So I so the the drive from where we live to the northern um, is about a half an hour of depending on the traffic forty five minute journey, um, and actually being able to listen to an audio book or a podcast or, um, and just have those moments for me. Actually, I don't, so I don't need much time to myself, but I do need that. But the other thing is, um, I'm really fortunate in, I think I mentioned I have an academic appointment at Melbourne University. And for me, that that's leading a subject called professional practice. And it incorporates aspects of medical legal work on ethics, but also well-being and what it means to be, I guess, a good doctor um, at its heart. And that allows me to go down rabbit holes of looking at TED Talks and mm. stuff that I'm really interested in. And so um, I, I do sometimes, I have, you know, I sometimes really nerdily think of it as, um, you know, a hobby that I'm actually getting paid to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great work if you can find it. And, and family life, like your husband is a doctor also at the Northern? He's the head of rheumatology, so we're both busy. Yeah. <laughs> Very busy. Um yeah, who, who does the cooking? Who's the, who's the better cook? Maybe we can start that argument. Yeah, well, no, no, that's not an argument. That's, I think he would be very happy to say that's me. Um, I tend to cook. He tends to clean. That was, well, that was the deal. But <laughs> he's in the bowels. <laughs> but he's, look, he started to do a bit more cooking too. And I must admit, I, it's more, I, I get a bit territorial. <laughs> like, I'm like, that, this is like, what do I bring to the relationship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm also slightly worried that I'll have to start cleaning. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, I, I tend to do the bulk of the cooking. You know, he, I, and I don't, I, I'm sure he'd be happy to acknowledge this. You know, he grew up in a, his, his parents are Scottish um, and let's just say classically British Scottish food. He he talks about starting university and basically experiencing like a flavour explosion, <laughs> you know, um, being, and so my, my family background is my parents, you know, came from India in the 70s. And so, um, like, clearly what I, you know, what I cook and what we do is very different. So um, I I think everyone's happier with me doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's, it it is that, that graceful give and take in a, in a relationship that's the, the most important Uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I do get asked a lot actually by a lot of junior doctors and people like they go, how do you do it? And, and the reality is we have a lot of help, right? So my, like, you know, that phrase about, you know, it takes a village is so true in our case. We have so much um, help and support, but it is often a, it's, it's a, it's a weekly Tetris puzzle as to who's doing <laughs> yeah. the, you know, um, the pickups and drop-offs. So it, it's not easy, but I think it's, it's also recognising that you can't do everything yourself, right? That's, that is a road to burnout and disaster. Do you think that uh, the skills that you have in mindfulness and well-being transfer to parenthood? <laughs> <Can> you... <laughs> do you know? I think so much of what I do 
is parenting, um, actually. So going it goes both ways, right? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of the things that I talk about in terms of prof- what I, I, I term sort of professional performance development in terms of conflict resolution or communication skills and being a really good explicit communicator, that is what you need to manage a toddler, right? <laughs> um, you know, getting that balance between there are things that we need to do <laughs> um, and also how do we still allow this person to have a bit of autonomy, you know? Um, so absolutely, I think, and I think even when I've presented some of this stuff to some of our consultants here at the Northern, I often get that, oh, I think I'm going to take that home with me in terms of the way it, you know, even with interpersonal relationships at home or with, with their kids as well. There's absolutely an overlap. <laughs> You mentioned earlier too your love of, of literature and the, and the classics. What, what are you reading right now? Are you in your busy schedule? Yeah. Um, <laughs> audio books, I suppose. Yeah, so, that's um, right. So, so rather than reading, I'm listening. Um, so Richard Osman's written a series, uh, The Thursday Murder Club, and his fourth book was just released and I've just finished listening to that, um, which is, I guess you could, they're sort of like a Agatha Christie style, but, you know, just has he described it as a cosy murder mystery, which um, <laughs> I think is actually really, a, a really beautiful description and I I think the way he you know the four main protagonists through that series are um, elderly people living in a retirement village and the way he's developed those characters I think is is really fascinating and so um, I I do love a good detective story but I but I also really love the way he's developed those characters and that you feel one of the things about some of the work that we do which can be challenging is I don't necessarily go to reading now to be challenged, right? I, the coziness and the safe and feeling safe is actually really important. And so they're, they're absolutely lovely, safe books, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but the other book that I'm now listening to um, is Phosphorescence by Julia Baird, which is actually all about um, finding wonder in okay. the, the world around us and how important that is actually for our own wellbeing. Yeah, I often say to my family, you know, the day I don't stop and look at a sunset and go, wow. Uh, just put me in the ground because it's all over. Yeah, absolutely. It's um. She talks about in the book the idea of feeling small and that generally we talk about that as a bad thing, that you don't want to feel small, but actually that can actually be really healing in a way that so that, you know, being recognising that we are a small part of the entire world um, actually just sort of, I guess, resets when you're really angry at that person in traffic or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess this is the point where we ask the, not the airy fairy question, that's not quite right. Um, <laughs> existential. But, existential, that's the one I'm after, sorry. <laughs> but if you could travel back in time mm-hmm. and meet your 12-year-old self, uh, what advice do you think you'd, you'd give her? Yeah, do you know, I, I think that's a really tough question because I also, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about that, you know, that when you go back in time, if you tell people things, it changes. <laughs> and actually where I've landed, I'm really, really happy with. So I think all I would say is it's going to be okay. Mm. Do you know it is going to work out? Yeah. Um, and I think that is all the <laughs> that my twelve-year-old self needs to know, um, yeah. because one of the things that in my well-being work that I've been reflecting on a lot recently is people's discomfort with discomfort, but also making mistakes and mm. error, and actually that we the struggle is an aver- and adversity is the thing that then makes you progress. Or helps Absolutely. you to progress. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you've got to be free to fail. Um, Absolutely. To be able to grow. Uh, you know? Yeah. So actually that idea of going back in time and giving my younger self advice, I think actually she needs to fail and she does, <laughs> you know, in various points along the way. Yeah. Um, but actually it leads to a really good place. 
and I and I wouldn't want to risk where I am now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for, for that. Following on from that, and I guess we we may hear something similar. <laughs> if future Dr. Rane were to travel back in time and visit you now, what what would you want? Not so much advice, but what would you want to hear from her? Yeah, sim- I, I still want to hear that it's all going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> caring theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just tell me. And, and I don't care if she's lying, right? I just, yeah. I just, <laughs> just, just say it's all good. <laughs> well, all disruptions in the space-time continuum aside, it has been all good today. The positive energy with which you fill a room is is palpable. The care and support you've helped foster for colleagues navigating a landscape we've not encountered in our lifetime is commendable. And your love of literature has led to deeper, more meaningful interactions with your patients and those around you. I'd happily sit and trade stories and maybe a few recipes, but sadly, visiting hours are over. Look, it's been a pleasure to be here. We might need to do a series. (laughs) (laughs) So much material and it run for a week. (laughs) Thanks for your time. Thank you. If you're wanting to find out more about Northern Health and the services that they offer, head on over to www.nh.org. Thanks so much for dropping by. We hope to see you again during visiting hours.